0: Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, back on the main show Janine, it's episode 224 and we have another lovely little suspense crime thrillery type movie for us today, but quite a a heavy one on the emotional side, I must admit...
1: Uh, So heavy it has an exclamation point in the title It does,
0: it (laughs) does We always love when (laughs) punctuation makes its way into titles (laughs) of movies Yes It's always hilarious I will have to title this episode now Specifically with the exclamation mark Yes, it's part of the title (laughs) It is part of the title The movie we are talking about today is Ransom Or as Janine would like to say (laughs) <laughs> because apparently that's exclamatory and I mean, did it that requires, not sound exclamatory? <laughs> it did sound exclamatory good, good. <clears throat> but the movie is ransom that we are talking about today it's from 1956 glenn ford donna reed and leslie nielsen of all yes. weird people to show up in this movie in What I believe is Leslie Nielsen's first ever starring role. Wow. Which is interesting. And given the fact that we obviously are considerably more familiar and and the world is considerably more familiar with Leslie Nielsen as a deadpan comedic actor in, uh, you know, police squad, airplane, these naked gun, other type things. Um, it's interesting to see him play yes, and, totally straight in this and movie
1: with with dark hair,
0: <laughs> yeah, with dark hair you know in black and white in in an old you know a fifties style movie, in terms of the 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 way it is alongside actors that you you don't even associate with the same era of movies because Leslie Nielsen we often associate with the eighties. Yeah. don't we um, not necessarily the 50s but he is of obviously appropriate age for you know to be cast in yeah. a movie alongside Glenn Ford and Donna Reed who we, we just we just kind of don't expect it and he is a uh, he's a particularly interesting aspect I think to the movie Ransom but I really did uh, I really did quite like this movie i really appreciated this movie i thought it was a very interestingly told movie given the fact that it's about a kidnapping and the subsequent uh ransom that is kind of you know a game of bluff is almost played
1: yeah this tough decision this father has to make in you know what is best and kind of go against what society thinks he should do in that situation. Yeah. Um, You know, other parents kind of telling him and, and judging him for the decisions he makes in terms of how he's handling the situation. Um, You know, a complete uh, divide between him and his wife on how to handle this situation. Oh yeah. Uh, Those scenes were heartbreaking. So uh, yeah, definitely really kind of interesting you know, they could have gone a very straight route of, you know kidnapping story, but the fact that they really put the focus on this decision he has to make on this kind of back and forth bluff with the kidnappers um, I think was a really interesting choice. And when we later talk about the uh, remake in the deja vu segment, I think that gets kind of bumped up even more to to a more intense degree. Uh, in terms of this bluff situation, because in that movie we actually do see the sides of the kidnappers. In this film, we don't.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, which is, is is actually one I really like about this film, and I know that the the remake because the remake is it's from nineteen ninety six. It's the same title. It's with Mel Gibson. Yeah, um, and you know it seems to be a more known movie, I think than. This 1956 original
1: Yeah, like I didn't even know this was a remake um, But I'll typically kind of go through and see what classic films have modern remakes And when this popped up, I was like, oh wow, okay So um, yeah, it's nice to kind of see the the origin film to The film that I always tend to know more about And then kind of see the bones of that film It's, It's always kind of a cool thing when we do this deja vu segment on the show
0: yeah, but I mean, honestly, one of, I think my favourite aspect of, of the movie, to be honest with you, was the fact that we don't see the kidnappers at all. Yeah. It is entirely played. I mean, it's really almost entirely played just from Glenn Ford's perspective. And I think that that's a little bit of a downside to the movie, I think, for me. Yeah. But I'll get into that in a little bit. Um Because the the movie rests on the ability of Glenn Ford and and the kind of his ability to be incredibly emotional, incredibly intense, um, hard but soft, um, kind of brutal but sweet family man. He's a really good balance of those two things. I find this a lot. I've watched a number of other Glenn Ford movies recently. And I find this more and more with every one of his movies that I do watch. Is that I think... Well, for one, I think he looks like a Dr. Shoes character. I just think he does. Because his <laughs> the, nose shape and his eyes. If you look at Glenn Ford... Just everybody, everybody do a, a Google search of Glenn Ford right now. He does look a little bit like he belongs in Hooville. <laughs> he does. But he's got this really sweet smile. Like that he would just play the most charming, fun, leading men type roles. But he's often playing really intense, sometimes really direct, brutal, sometimes nasty characters. He's often the hero, sure. You know, our lead protagonist who we are rooting for and following for the movie. But he's got this ability to really warm hearts, I think, with his smile, but really glare deep into you with his eyes. His eyes are incredibly intense. This is entirely natural, I think to Glenn yeah. Ford and I think what makes him um a really good performer and a really good actor and an actor that I've come to admire much more in, in the kind of past year or so yeah. from watching more and more of his movies. Um and this one this one is no exception. This one just elevated that for me and I really do like the structure of this movie as well. Because we don't see the kidnappers at all. Yeah, I think it was a smart On the the surface, this is a, a crime thriller with some noir elements, but it's really a family drama. At the end of the day, its most impressive moments are the scenes of heavy emotional drama, not the scenes of thrilling suspense, there are a few of those, waiting for the phone to ring, all kinds of reporters outside, police getting involved, searching for, you know, Glenford and Donna Reed's son, um, who's the one who's been kidnapped, yeah, trying to find but... out how it happened in the first place.
1: Yes, well, but the... It, underneath. The... I think the it's human the,
0: drama, the family drama is yeah. what stands out the most for me and I love that.
1: Yeah, I think the unknown is what makes the the tension really palpable. Um the fact that they don't know how he was taken, um they don't know when they're going to get a phone call. Uh they don't know if any of these decisions he's making are paying off. Uh they don't know what these kidnappers' like motives are. They don't know, you know, if they uh have plans to like kill their son if they don't get what they want or um you know if they do get what they want they'll still kill him like yeah so they build up the unknown really well um and i think
0: and keep it there
1: yeah never tell
0: us anything to do with the kidnappers at all all their plan or anything like that the things they
1: choose to focus on yeah i think is really smart in in building uh the intensity and and the you know the, the shock of you know what's going on
0: yeah it's that underneath level of intensity yeah. that is absolutely consistent in many ways the movie is perfect for glenn fall in that way because there's that underneath intensity
1: yeah that
0: might be something else on the surface but it's just it's always there and you can never get rid of it and it, you feel it yeah. watching this movie you really really do i think it's a, a brilliantly paced movie um a really well-structured movie and a really intelligently told movie because it doesn't overtell. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, give you too much information. Like you've just said, the unknown is what the movie plays on the most from an entertainment for the audience perspective. And it does it really, really well. Yeah. Um, and Glenn Ford, I just think he is brilliant when he's, playing anything in this movie playing this kind of angry shouty get out my house i need to do what needs to be done man but also in the scenes where he he breaks down a couple of times in this movie like really emotionally breaks down um especially the scene where he goes on on television and delivers this heartbreaking monologue straight to the camera looking directly at us watching it yeah um it seems to last ages that scene it seems to last so long in in a great way yeah but you are just it is constant just sadness after sadness and it really speaks to you know that that love of family that that many many people do have
1: yes and also just kind of um different decisions that parents have to make because right after he does that he gets so much judgment um from other guys in the audience and like you know people working on the production crew watching him say these things and they're like well if it was my son i would give the money right away i can't believe he's doing this you know so then on top of just everything else, uh, you know, parents feel like they're failing all the time and, you know, get judged for their parenting styles from, you know, other parents and, and people who maybe aren't even parents. Um, and that's just kind of taken up to an insane degree with this, when it's a life or death situation and um, he has no support really in, in how he's handling it. So he's kind of alone Um, in an already kind of tragic, tough situation where you, you need somebody, but he's completely alone in his decision.
0: Very much so, very much so. And this, you know, the movie rests on his decision. This movie, it's not got an overly complex plot. The son of a wealthy couple gets kidnapped and they refuse to pay the ransom because they believe, or Glenn Ford believes at least, that or he's kind of persuaded, I think, by a a few kind of other people who are continuously kind of coming back into this movie and into the house where it's predominantly set, yeah um that there's a fifty fifty chance they're gonna kill your son anyway yes whether you they give them what the they money want. or not
1: yes you give them the money and there's a good chance they kill him you don't give them the money and there's they could still kill him
0: yeah um but so the he, he, he look almost better. immediately questions well why would anybody give the money then
1: yeah if, if it's, it's 50, not 50, why am i going to give them what they want if they're probably going to kill my son anyway
0: because so that's where society it's like, says it's the right thing to do
1: yeah that that it's the only way to get your son back but you don't know that for sure um it's it's definitely 50 yes. 50 but nobody's really seen that 50 50 except him they're all yeah. on the other side of the 50 so yeah the fact that he's just kind of alone in this decision is just it, it really plays on um you know your emotions and and uh you kind of thinking about it gets you thinking about as you're watching like what would i do in that situation it does it and, absolutely and, it does and it it kind of forces you to see another side of, of a situation like this that you maybe wouldn't have thought
0: of. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And look, all the while, Glenford's coming to this decision and trying to persuade other people that, you know, I'm clear on my decision. This is the right decision. This is the decision I want to make. All the while, the police are searching for the son anyway. You know, so the police are searching for the son regardless of what he does. And the police have the same amount of chance of finding him whether he pays the ransom or not because they just have the exact same information. We only see as much as they do in terms of we we get a handful of phone calls from the kidnappers, but we never hear what they sound like. We certainly never see them. Yeah. We, We only find out that the son's actually been kidnapped because the school phones up. Um, or or did, did they phone the school? Does Glenn Ford phone um, the school because his son they, hasn't come home? He hasn't
1: come home yet. So, yeah, just to kind of start the story... Um... I love the kind of them also really setting up their family dynamic. They're just you know what they really...
0: really do? They do it so well. Yes.
1: So like the son has stolen like the slats of the bed uh, so he can build this fort and his, you know, Glenford Ford goes to yell at him only for it to turn into this. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll pick up some wood for you and we'll build this treehouse when I get home. So it's like this really great family dynamic with the three of them. Um,
0: it's so a little then, bit fifties in terms yes, of I'm going to be your kid
1: oh gee golly kind of you know <laughs> uh,
0: i'm gonna give i'm gonna show you my hand kid it's a little bit like that
1: yeah. there's one scene where
0: it's literally like please don't slap your own son Glenn Ford, but
1: yes but he's doesn't. just kind of teasing and playing with him yes uh, but yeah then a very kind of sweet you know um I'll buy some lumber and we'll build this treehouse together. So yeah. yeah, definitely setting up a good family unit with the three of them and their kind of dynamic and uh, really strong husband and wife kind of thing as well. Certainly at the beginning. Uh, so when, certainly yes. at the beginning. So when that I really breaks like down later. Yes. So when that breaks down, that's definitely like you know it's it, it's kind of uh, things have gotten really intense.
0: I still uh, do feel I feel Donna Reed, and this is this is my one negative really about the movies I feel Donna Reed's short changed because she seems to just become ill quite suddenly and then he's kind of shoved off upstairs and then
1: just kind of taken away yeah
0: and barely in the rest of the movie and then when she is in the rest of the movie she looks like this sort of ghostly figure who's just kind of skeletal and worn to the bone and it's really not a, a you know, I'm I'm comparing this now to the far more kind of equal parent, uh, you know, fighting for the son aspect from Mel Gibson's remake. It's Renee yeah. Russo, isn't it? In yes. that movie, um, and it felt it certainly felt like they both were on the same path in that but movie, also, or they both I at think- least were written to have the same role in getting the son back, which in this movie, it's as though they forgot a little bit about Donna Reed at at, at one point, which I didn't love because Donna Reed's great and should have been, should have been in this movie being stronger. She, she came across as very weak in this movie and I didn't like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree with you. Like I think her breakdown was very intense. Like I felt that. Um but to kind of just sideline her the way they did because then I'm comparing it yes to the to Re- renee Russo. While I do feel like we see scenes with renee Russo not being wholly behind decisions that Mel Gibson's making. Yeah. Um and, and really wanting to go the easier route of just paying them get get our money, get get our son back all this thing. Um and we do see some intense argument with her kind of, you know, getting very upset with him for what he's done. And there's a whole kind of scene of um, the kidnappers, because we do see the kidnappers uh, seemingly kill their son and she, you know, loses it yes. and he starts hitting Mel Gibson and thinks something he said set them off and, and blames him. So we get moments like that in the, in the remake, but she still seems to, overall kind of trust that he's doing the right thing. Um and is a little it does play it a little bit more strong, I think.
0: It does. It really yeah. does. Um but I, I suppose it's a decision on on the two movies because while it's I think unfortunate, just because I, I would have liked to see Donna Reed be stronger and more involved in the in the search and the kind of Sick game that they kind of have to play with the kidnappers. This bluffing situation of, oh, are we going to give you the ransom? Oh well, if we don't give you the ransom, you you might do it anyway. So it's your loss, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's your loss. Come on, just give give me some. Might you might get the money if you give me the sum back. You know, it's it's that kind of yeah game, kind
1: of game that's, game that's, that's being played. And um,
0: but ultimately, yeah. ultimately you know, 1956 ransom is primarily Glenn Ford's movie and it delivers on being primarily Glenn Ford's movie. It is just at the, you know, at the kind of, it's unfortunate that Donna Reed becomes sidelined for that, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that shouldn't have happened in the movie if you know what I mean. It feels like a reasonable thing to have happened in the movie. I almost wish that the story was just a little bit different. Not the actual structure of the movie. Not the... Or the character was different. Not the story. I I just almost wish the character was different. I don't mind this being really a a Glenn Ford movie more than anything else. Because he's great in it he doesn't feel like he needs somebody else there to play off of all the time you know when he's not when he's having his intense scenes he doesn't feel like he is missing it doesn't feel like the movie's missing anything but i just wish it would have been there because because i don't think an actor like donna reed needs to be cast in this role then i just thinking like donna reed's too good. To play this role,
1: yes. Um. I mean, I get what you're saying. I like the fact that you know, even her kind of going against him leaves him completely alone in this situation, and the fact that like she's supposed yeah. to be his partner and she doesn't understand him. I like that. You know, it's already tough enough when society is telling you you're making the wrong decision, but in your own home, the part your partner, the other half of this situation, is. Doesn't agree with you, and is not with you. Like, I think that added a layer of of intrigue and tension and heartache of this movie that I found really interesting. Um, I would agree yes, with
0: that. I would agree so, with. But that.
1: I I agree with you that like an actress like Donna Reed probably shouldn't have played this. They like, could have played somebody who who you know is not maybe as strong as she is um, in terms of of. A performance that she could give. but, um, I think maybe they just wanted her for those intense moments to give these really yeah. heartbroken kind of breakdown moments only for them to kind of just whisk her out yeah. of the movie
0: after and, that look, I still think you know that um that idea that you brought up there the the idea of you know, your it breaking down in your home that it does in this movie. Yeah. It, she's it,
1: supposed to be, I think, the 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 last kind of cementing of the idea that he's alone in this.
0: Oh, hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm just saying you could still have that and still and, and Donna Reed actually not just become a ghost for the rest of the movie. You could have Donna Reed then be quite staunch in her decision. And there'd be, you know, maybe not even arguments, but certainly pretty heavy debates between the two of them is like, I feel alone in this. And maybe she maybe she still goes off with a friend, but yeah. doesn't become like decrepit and ill upstairs and having to have Doctor Alexander Scowby come in. It, it, and
1: give her sedations and things like that. You know, um, it just
0: feels but the character you know. decision the, or the decision from from the writing point of Donna Reed's character feels unnecessary the i as in terms of the story it makes total sense It it is required for her to be on the other side it's perfect in that way
1: just the execution that you're not really a fan it's
0: of. <laughs> just the the weakness of her character
1: um, well I mean I was able to kind of see it in the vein of, you know, like I'm not a parent, I but I could understand. I could see how losing your child in such a hopeless situation with no information, you don't know what's happening. Um, you know, in that time, it, like your job is taking care of your child and taking care of your home and that's kind of all you do. You yeah. don't really do much outside of that. So, then there becomes this point of guilt that gets put on you, that you put on yourself for the situation, um, and just days and days and days of being without your child, not knowing what's going to happen. So I can understand her getting to a, a sickly, ghostly degree of of just pain of not knowing what's going on. Of thinking, I mean, that's a fair point. Any moment, so I think it's understandable that you know, as a parent, you could get to that state of mind
0: that is that is a fair point and admittedly i didn't think about it from that perspective see this is why it's good to have (laughs) differing perspectives
1: yes i mean you're going to have this if your child is missing for days and days and days and days and days and there's a a high chance that they could be killed and you think your husband's not doing everything he possibly could to to get your son back like it's going to skew your thinking and you're going to have some inner guilt yourself that you weren't more aware you didn't do more to make sure he got home and and check in at the school and all of these things. So, yes, kind of continuing to tell the story of this movie. Yeah, that is how they find out. Like, um, Glenn Ford kind of comes home. He has all the lumber. He's ready to build this treehouse. He's asking her where their son is. And she's like, oh, uh, he's not back from school yet. And they're like, well, it's kind of late for him to not be at school. So I think that's when they do call the school and ask like what happened to him. And um, they get some weird story about how he was picked up by some nurse. and Taken to the doctor's office. So they call the doctor. The doctor's like, no, no one picked him up. Like he's not here. And that's kind of when they start getting scared and, um, call authorities, and Leslie Nielsen comes in, he's, uh, I think, a reporter who's kind of trying to, he's on the side of the parents, so he's trying to skew the story in a way to kind of protect them. Um, yes, he's,
0: a, he's so, a plucky young reporter, Leslie Nielsen. Yes, in this yes. movie, which... So he
1: kind of gets to stay in the house with them and, and, and be a support in the sense that he's um, really on their side to really kind of um, get their perspective on the story and Um, particularly Glenn Ford and his decision-making and uh, uh, in in this tough choice that he has to make. So yeah, I think I definitely understand Donna Reed's kind of breakdown um, considering she probably is putting some guilt on herself in this situation and just being without your child and having no answers and just the unknown of what could happen to your child as a parent. I, I could understand her her kind of being like that but i didn't like that yeah she kind of just disappeared from the movie after a certain point and that she was kind of just away so yes i mean if you're gonna have her be like that at least have her you know be more involved i think so i get where you're coming from wanting more of her and kind of not sidelining her like that but i do understand the breakdown that they they kind of depict with her Because the scene when she's kind of comes down the stairs and she looks so gaunt and sickly and she's holding the paper and that's how she discovers that he chose not to pay the ransom. And the way that she just comes at him, and she's hitting him, and yelling at him, and telling him, you know, this is his fault, and and begging him, begging him, <laughs> you know, please, please, just, just pay the ransom, pay it. I'll do whatever you just pay the rant. Like begging him, she's so weak and tired, and and un- heartbroken and she's just begging him to pay this ransom. And He, the way that he has to just kind of stand his ground and tell him, you know, please, I love you, but I can't, I can't go back on this. I have to stick true to what I said. I think this is the only way we're going to get him back. You just have to trust me, please be my partner in this. And the fact that she just can't do it. Um, and she, you know, lashes out and, you know, it's so, it's such a contrast from this, you know, happy couple that we yeah. saw at the beginning of this film. So the fact that like they were so in sync with each other at the start, only for this breakdown to happen, I think it makes it that much more stark and intense. So
0: yeah. And these are the, these are the strongest scenes in the movie. Yeah. Like I said before, it, it masks itself as a crime thriller, but it, but it, it isn't under the no. surface at all.
1: It's really focused on this family and, and, and Glenn Ford and this tough kind of bluff that he has to play that, that, um entails the life of his child so
0: well what did you make of leslie nielsen then as our major supporting player (laughs) i mean i
1: i think i wanted more of him as well he was just kind of there just said a couple kind of words and then just walked out like you know (laughs) i mean i think i i needed a little bit more of him but it was just very weird because like when his when he made his entrance i was not looking at the screen i think i was like looking at something on my phone And then I just hear that voice and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so weird. It's like, his voice is exactly the same. And then I look, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's got dark hair. What? (laughs) Like, it was just very, a very kind of weird (laughs) experience. But yeah, um, I liked that there was at least this kind of sliver of backup that he had, um, that there was kind of this little bit of sense of kind of protection from him, uh, to protect this family in the situation from people who uh, were trying to come in and, and uh, judge them. And uh, he kind of was there to give perspective and try to kind of show Glenn Ford's side a little bit in moments. So I like that he at least had something, someone there that was, you know, you know, he could have been like the skeezy kind of reporter who was just trying to yeah, get the juicy story. Wasn't. So I like that he wasn't like No, that. there was,
0: there was integrity there. There was decency. Yes. With, uh, <clears throat> with Leslie Nielsen, and I think it's actually a, it's it's a great movie to watch just to see kind of I think why Leslie Nielsen was or why Leslie Nielsen became um, who he became, obviously later in his career and, and therefore more famous career oh, yeah. when he became a, the the deadpan comic actor because. While I think he was he was perfectly perfectly good in this movie, he I think he's he, he's just a little bit limited in terms of emotion. I think, yeah, which, which is why he's he's great at deadpan humor. Um, and played on that. Like I I felt authenticity from Leslie Nielsen in this in this movie. Absolutely, I think he he gave a a good straight performance. Which is unusual from what we are far more used to seeing from him. Yeah, but I don't actually think he he could he could do any better than this. Do you know what I mean? In terms of yeah. the real dramatic sense, I don't. I, I think that's just his limitation. But he found his limitation. He veered his limitation to something else, and it became an absolute strength for him. Yeah. Um. And I think that was. Such an intelligent kind of career move on his part.
1: Exactly. Um, I don't know the story of how
0: it actually necessarily happened. Yeah. But I really do think it was because well, me... he. I think he would have been in a list of. Oh yeah, okay. I've seen him in a few random fifties movies. I recognize his face. I recognize his voice. He he was a semi-supporting you know, semi-regular supporting cast member in, in a good number of movies from the 50s. But what was his name? Was his name that? Was his name this? You no, know, everybody knows his name because of this career change. Yeah. Because he became the best at what he actually did.
1: Yes. You know, isn't in, he, in later on. He was in, like, the non-spoof version of Airplane, right? And, like, he... They, I think he, he
0: might have been
1: and they they just had him do the same thing essentially right I, but he I, just you
0: know what i couldn't tell you for I sure can't but I, remember he might
1: I can't remember if that's what the kind of story was that like there is a normal actual straight version of airplane oh no there is yeah he there was is. in it he was in it kind of doing the same thing but then he played the same straight character in the spoof version and it just came off so funny that that's What kind of set him on that course? Now I know. I know. I think I heard, but I don't. Don't quote me on that.
0: I know the the straight played airplane is called Zero Hour. It's from 1957, and I've got it up here now. Leslie Nielsen doesn't appear on this cast list. Okay. Um, but Dana Andrews does, and Linda Darnell, and Sterling Hayden. So. Mm. That's fun. I've never seen. I've never seen Zero Hour. I really, I'm not so massively into watch it. I mean, I might do. I might do <laughs> at some point watch the straight played airplane because it's supposed to be like a decent enough.
1: I mean, B we movie. could do. We could do a Deja View.
0: We could do. It's um, supposed to be a decent enough B movie, but the fact is that it's it's almost so B that. It was just prime to for a completely spoof. spoof.
1: So yeah, I want to say maybe he just he just took the dialogue that was in the original film that was very straight and delivered it that way,
0: and I then think, it don't just. Think I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Would have been in zero hour.
1: Well, I'm I'm saying like, but I want to say most of the dialogue I think that it was the same in certain parts and certain scenes. Oh, I
0: think I think I think, I think you so are right in saying, saying. that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think you are right. I want to say
1: certain things he just decided to deliver it straight, and then they, you know, obviously thought that was perfect. <laughs> Weird.
0: Weirdness. <laughs> but no, it is it is it's fun. It's always fun to see actors that we we know more for something else play something we are not used to seeing at yeah. all. And this yeah. is very much the case here. This isn't very much the case with Glenn Ford, like I said, because this is kind of trademark, typical Glenn Ford, and he does it brilliantly.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, are you a are you a Glenn Ford fan? Do you like Glenn Ford?
1: I do. I mean, we've covered several Glenn Ford movies. On oh, a good few. Yeah, good few. Um, you. I think the first one we did was *A Stolen Life*, so that was kind of the first. Oh, thing. yes. I, I forgot saw him, him in about *A
0: Stolen Life*.
1: Yeah, so that was kind of the first thing I saw him in, and I want to say when I was kind of looking up stuff about him, like he was just somebody who came back from war and then decided to be an actor or something like that, if yeah, I remember correctly. He did.
0: He, yeah, he did. Was, he wasn't an actor before the no. war. But he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't, like, so old. He, his prime is the 50s, really. But then he's yeah. in, like, Gilda straight away in 1946. Yeah. And it just elevates him.
1: Went from there, and he's done so much. So,
0: um, yeah,
1: um, for him, kind of somebody who... I, I don't think this was maybe a plan in their life. He definitely gives so many uh, tones in emotion. He can be intense, like you said. He can be very kind of sweet and charming and, um, you know, likeable. And
0: I think uh, that's a really it's a really interesting point about him as a person, to be honest, because I think it plays a lot into what he is like as an actor. And it's untheatrical. It's authentic. It's incredibly real for yes. you. we like theatrical performers sometimes. You know, we we like the theatre-trained actors of the '30s, and you know, the stage actors and the really over-dramatic actors. We enjoy those kind of things, but it's really interesting to actually think about,
1: yeah, the but fact but like that Glenn
0: would... Ford decided. I'm gonna yeah, try. It. I'm reacting. gonna try and do and he, this.
1: Yes, and I think that is maybe what gives him this kind of everyday person that this uh He's
0: very much in every man.
1: Yes. Uh, um he, he gives these really grounded performances and because why I like his noirs.
0: Like, yeah, I, I mean really in like the big noir's.
1: heat in the big heat, I think we talked so much about how we loved the modern dynamic of him and his wife and how they just felt like such a real couple of today yeah. um yeah you know there was no kind of talking down to her or little woman kind of dynamic she was his equal in every way and you know
0: and there's no there's no like like that we we, we, we we like this aspect of noir we do we like somebody a bit snappy maybe somebody a bit a little bit quippy a little bit snarky sometimes dark and brooding that you can just come out with a one-liner glenford's not really Bogart. You know, he's not that. That's Bogart's job. That's what Bogart can do in his noir movies. Glenn Ford brings a outstanding level of, like I said, realism and authenticity, I think, to his roles, particularly in noir. And I think it's most impressive in noir when you think that stylistically, noir can be quite staged looking, but about very real life nasty things. Yeah. Um, so to have your your kind of protagonist in, in things like The Big Heat, which I just love as a movie, but in another movie we covered on here, which was Affair in Trinidad, which is a a lesser known movie, it has to be said, but the the um the return of him with Rita Hayworth. Yeah. And it's a great movie, and we covered it on on the show, not overly long ago but you know in something like that there's a real uh, genuine real person feeling to him um, and yeah, even in that even, movie which is kind of which does have some very theatrical characters in it as well
1: yeah and even in his reunion with betty davis and something like Pocketful of miracles where he's playing like this hustler gangster type guy but he's willing to kind of uh help out this old woman because kind of the whole point of that story is uh you know she you know betty davis is this old lady selling apples on the street and her daughter is doing these successful things in europe and you know she writes her these letters and makes her think that she's like this this you know prominent women woman in the town and so but she's not she's just this like bumbly (laughs) selling apples on the street and so when her daughter says i'm coming home to see you she has to put on this whole facade that she's like this kind of dignitary, you know, fancy lady. So everyone she knows who cares about her kind of puts on this ruse to help her kind of, you know, play up that she's like somebody in town, uh, for her daughter who's coming. And this gangster guy who, you know, played by Glenn Ford, who is kind of just all about himself and making money and doing all these things. He's willing to like set that aside and play the sentimental side of himself to help out this old lady in in this situation. So he's definitely still even later, because I believe that film was like Capra's last film, um, in in the late seventies. That, the late uh, 70s or, or the, the early seven, i think 73 i want to okay. say um seventy two, seventy three, something like that um uh where you know he older glenn ford is still kind of straddling that line of like you know being this tough guy but also this very sentimental caring guy so
0: yeah he's he so good at it. still
1: kept that every man kind of quality all throughout his career i think
0: it's why he makes a good parkent. Way to parkent, park
1: Kent. yeah.
0: <laughs> it's perfect parkent. Yeah, great Park Way better than, way better than Costner. <laughs> way better than Costner. Aww. Even though you get more from Costner, I don't mind Costner. I quite like Costner as yeah, Costner ghost
1: telling some weird story. Okay,
0: I don't mind that. I quite. Yeah. I no, I do. I genuinely quite <laughs> like heavy Costner yes. as uh, Jonathan Kent. But um, no, I suppose the. The, the majority of this movie and the majority of the rest of the movie is this battle between glenn ford and and the rest of the community they they really are yeah outside of his house it's, and it's there's really one intense. i feel
1: bad that one man who's just trying to defend him and like right and all these people look like, at like you know yeah there's literally one man in this crowd of people like trying to to share Glenn Ford's perspective and like you know he's just trying to do what he can you know this is a tough situation of course he cares about his son and his family and everyone's like no if he did he wouldn't be doing this and blah, blah, blah. so
0: yeah that's like a massive mob this <laughs> yes massive, massive people mob.
1: just coming to yell at him for what he's done because he's kind of you know he's a rich person so people know him I think he's like a vacuum
0: yeah he's you know, a, a vacuum he, he has a vacuum cleaner company yes and he's very wealthy from that. Yes. um it's a little bit more downplayed than Mel Gibson's airline that he has yeah. <laughs> in, um you know just a random citizen owning an airline yeah in uh in the remake um but, um but you get the I think the 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 emotional intense high point of the movie I think is that monologue I brought up before that one's that's on the you know he goes onto the TV uh show he delivers this monologue. It's he's looking straight at us, uh, you know, when he's delivering it, and it is for me the 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 best scene in the movie. It's the most emotional scene in the movie. It really plays the fatherly love it's up a hundred percent for me. Yeah. But he explains his decision to not pay the ransom pay the publicly ransom, yeah. in that mm-hmm. in that in that scene. Which causes again then far more arguments when he gets home. He gets really, really bogged down. He has a breakdown on the stairs, and his his butler guy has to come and kind of really um, console him yeah. and tell him that you know he is supported by him. Um, it's interesting as well that that there's a. Uh, a maid in the movie who's Juanita Moore. Juanita yes. Moore's back in this movie. It's the really? second movie of uh, Glenn Ford and Juanita and then, Moore. Juanita
1: Moore um, After a not, fair not trying to do Not trying to do a, a Caribbean accent here.
0: No, no, not trying to. I mean, it was a little <laughs> bit unusual wasn't it really <laughs>
1: yeah when we did a fair in trinidad and you told me to do close it with a trinidadian accent i would have sounded like juanita moore in that movie so i did not attempt it.
0: <laughs> no you didn't um but it's actually i think quite interesting the, th- the third movie we've covered with glenn ford and alexander scourby oh, who ooh. yes just plays the doctor who does very little in Very this little movie. yeah
1: but he's um, there. But
0: is the main villain of both Affair in Trinidad and the Big Heat? <laughs> Big heat, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's fun. It's fun to see people come back yes. and work with each other. I think.
1: Yes.
0: Um. But yeah, that breakdown on the stairs that he has towards the end of the movie really got to me as well. Yeah. Um, even though I think the the absolute ending of the movie. Seems to come a little bit out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's very easy. It's like, um, yeah, all it's of like a sudden how I'm
0: intelligent gonna... is the son? He must be like really quite clever. To <laughs> let's, I don't think it's much of a spoiler, given the fact that you know this this is a fifties movie, and yeah, were they really gonna kill the kid at the end? Uh, not. The kid just kind of wanders back into the frame <laughs> Yeah. He's just like, oh, like, I yay. managed to find my way home. Like, did you
1: bring How-? the stuff? Did did you bring the
0: stuff to build my
1: tree house? Like what? <laughs> like
0: you've been gone for weeks. Oh, you've been gone for like two weeks, however long the movie lasts for. I think yeah. it's it seems to be about 10-ish days, doesn't it? Yeah. Something like that. Um yeah. but he he kind of does he's just like i managed to escape and find my way back home we don't get an explanation (laughs) as to how he's managed to do this but he's done it but it's the emotion that does stick with you at the end of the movie because i think that is played really really quite well
1: reed comes back and yes it's very
0: it's it's very very emotional. emotional yeah but it's very heartwarming as well. But then,
1: even and then, it's kind of Leslie Nielsen's final, like I'm going to protect this family. Yeah, um, you know, all the reporters and everybody and the cops want to rush over there, and he's like, "No, leave them alone." Get like a picture. Get moment. a
0: picture. Yeah, he's no, like, "No, no, no,
1: leave them alone." So I like that
0: sweetness from Leslie Nielsen. Yes, um, I imagine they made a brilliant fort afterwards, and I also imagine that Donna Reed never let the kid out of her sight again. And yeah, he grew right? up to poor be he, and the poor kid grew up to be a mollycoddled, overprotective, oh, over um or overprotected, very dependent person, which, you know, there's good and bad sides to that.
1: Yes. And I mean I will say I think the kid in the remake did. Played the trauma a little bit, you know, like more realistically as to like after what this kid's been through. But like, we do actually see what the kid's been through. So I think, well,
0: let's 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 uh let's delve into uh the remake a little bit, shall we, Janine? I'll sing the song that I feel like I haven't sung in a long, long time. No, it's been
1: a little minute.
0: (laughs) Deja vu, deja vu, deja vu, deja vu. Yeah. The Deja Views back. <laughs>
1: yes. Ransom,
0: nineteen ninety six, with Mel Gibson, Rene Russo, and I forget who else is in the movie. There's all a uh, bunch people think... who actually, uh, Gary Sinise, or as yes. I like to call him, Gary Sinister.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he's always like a bad guy. Um, Delroy Lindo. I think he's Delroy Lindo. He's he's kind of similar to our Leslie Nielsen, I'd say. I yeah. guess, but he's not a journalist. He's a cop. Uh, he's like a cop working on the case. There's like there's the two people
0: you would never think are similar. Leslie yeah, Nielsen right. and Delroy Del- Lindo.
1: Del- yeah, really close. Um, but yeah, I mean, Leah Schreiber. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, uh, her from The Conjuring. She's yes. in it as well. What's her name? Oh. Um, I've no idea. I've no idea what her name is. But, it's uh, what I What I actually did like about this movie was it actually felt Wally like a, a worth... Lily Taylor, it actually felt like a worthwhile remake, Janine. And you know why it felt like a worthwhile remake? is because they took the base concept and did their own thing with it. They didn't yes. just regurgitate. They didn't just play the exact same movie. There or was differences add things, to this movie. Or they add
1: didn't, unnecessary things. That just they did not like you add unnecessary loading, things. Loading up the plot, because a lot of the, the deja views we do, they add things, but add things that don't elevate the story, don't kind of take its own interesting route with the story is literally just added things to pad out the runtime because now you're working with an older movie that's not as long so you want to just make it a little bit longer and stretch that time so you just throw nonsense in there that doesn't add to the story at all and we often think this definitely worked yeah
0: because we often think this because they attempt to tell the exact same story in the exact same structure but just add random scenes in this was yeah. telling a slightly different story it was telling a wider story because we got the kidnappers entire perspective as well yeah which is is the most interesting thing i think about the remake um, because it's so different obviously to the original it's what makes it for me a very very worthwhile remake if they hadn't have had their perspective i would have been saying what's the need for it yeah but they did they gave us a more rounded movie. And while I think it wasn't as impactful for me, I don't think it was quite as intense. I, I feel like Ron Howard, who directed this movie, Ron Howard, sometimes I think he's very competent at directing, but I think he's, he's just, his movies for me, feel like they're not really about anything and they just kind of or if they don't really have a tone, they just kind of tell a story. Like Which
1: is why, yeah, he doesn't have a distinct like signature style. Like he really doesn't, does he? You can kind of tell, okay, this is a Tarantino movie. This is a uh you know a roland emmerich movie this is like you can tell certain directors do certain things that kind of just set them apart and and give their movies a distinct feeling signature that you know it's them but ron howard kind of he doesn't he, really have that. no he doesn't have a distinct thing he just is making like i like i
0: he makes competent movies he
1: makes competent movies but like you couldn't just be like oh yeah that's a ron howard movie Like i don't oh, think i've nobody's
0: ever... nobody's gonna go around and say, I want to watch a Ron Howard movie. It just so <laughs> happens that the movie you might be watching is directed, directed by Ron yeah. Howard. Yeah,
1: that's weird. I never really thought about that, and now that you say it, yeah, but I think that's kind I of noticed it
0: answer. again watching this movie. It's just like there's no... Like, there was a real, like I said, uh, underlying intensity to 1956 Ransom. That some how was, was wasn't there as much in 96's Ransom and I think that is because we get this perspective of the kidnappers and while I think that's interesting from a, a story point of view interesting from a character point of view makes it feel like you know makes you get certainly get into the movie and enjoy how the story itself unfolds i felt nothing well yeah like
1: it it goes against what i said like what built the tension in the original film was the unknown not knowing what the kidnappers are thinking not knowing if they're uh stressing out about his proposal or thinking like oh he's an idiot we're gonna kill this kid anyway like we don't know what they're thinking So Glenn Ford doesn't know what they're thinking. So we're all just kind of on pins and needles, wondering if his gamble to not give the money paid off. But here we see what they're thinking. We see when, you know, Mel Gibson does something that's freaking them out or he's one up them, or he does something they don't expect him to do. And they're all in a panic and they're fumbling and bumbling around. We see them screw up and make mistakes. And so they're not intimidating at all. And we know things that mel gibson doesn't so the fact that we don't have that unknown element like in the original film definitely takes away the tension that's why i think the most tense scene of the movie was when they do eventually get the sun back and yeah. gary sinise has essentially killed his whole crew because he is a cop who has pulled yeah. this off and he plays it like he was not one of the kidnappers and he plays it like he's the one who saved their son and becomes this whole big hero. And he goes to their house to to get the reward for finding the son. And that is a whole intense scene. Uh, it between, is because the son
0: spots him though. The son hears his yes. voice. Yes.
1: And and freaks out. We even seem like a pee in his pants because he's so yeah. just terrified of the traumatic situation he was in because he hears the voice. And so it's a very intense scene where Mel Gibson's writing him this check. Gary Sinise is like in this hurry to leave. And so, you know, you see him in the room with the kidnapper and just the tension of, you know, Rene Russo giving him a hug and everyone yeah. thanking him and praising him. And, and just like the stress of that whole, that was probably the most intense, stressful scene of the whole movie. So I thought that was where Um, where while we lost a lot of the intensity with knowing how the kidnappers were thinking paid off because that was kind of a really interesting, intense, scene that I think was a a good way to differentiate itself from the original, like you said, like giving the bones of the original story, but doing something different. And I think that's the best way to do a remake is where you kind of keep the core elements of the original film, but you do your own thing with it. So I think that was the scene that made kind of knowing the kidnapper side pay off.
0: It did. No, absolutely. And I would entirely agree with that. This this isn't a deja vu that I am condemning. This is a deja vu that I'm, I'm quite happy to have watched. I'm quite yeah. willing to go, this is a perfectly good movie. Yes. And I enjoyed watching the Ransom remake as a different way of telling this uh, story. It's a different way of making this movie. It was just a... There was very little feeling for me. There was it, there was enjoyment watching the movie. There was surface level intensity, like you said, with this scene towards the end when when it's kind of or when Mel Gibson kind of realizes that you know Gary Sinise, who he's paying this reward to, is is, is actually one who, of the fact, kidnappers. Yeah. Um. It's really good. It's really well put together. There's just nothing overly. There's nothing I'm going to take away memorable from the movie, and I think there is from, you know, the original. I think there is. I think I think I've got a feeling from that movie that I can say, "Oh yeah," when somebody brings up Ransom, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember Ransom. That was a that was a nasty movie." Really no, intense. Glenn Ford's ridiculously yeah. emotional in that movie, and I like that. I'm not going to go and think about, oh, yeah, that, that, that movie with Mel Gibson that is perfectly good, but has nothing else for me there. And this is just me. This is my opinion. This is what I prefer oh, yeah, no, I in movies. This is how I prefer to kind of take movies in to watch movies, the style of movies that I do genuinely prefer. Um, yeah. I'm just, I, I am just genuinely thankful that there wasn't unnecessary bloating. There no, was bloating, but it was necessary sense. because it yeah, was telling made sense. its own story.
1: I mean, I think another scene that they used to kind of interject some tension, um, was the fact that, um, he's kind of getting really smart with, this is like, I think after he's done the news broadcast, he says he's not going to give them the money. Um, he's instead going to like, um. Yeah, I think is that when he says he's going to give it as a reward instead of giving yes. it to yes. <laughs> yes. So anyone who finds you, everyone's going to be looking for you now. And that pisses them off. And he gets really kind of smart on the phone with them. And Gary Sinise is pissed because, like, obviously his plan isn't working out. And Mel Gibson kind of calls his bluff on the phone and tells him that, you know, you're an idiot, whatever, da, 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 da. And then he goes like he's going to shoot the sun and they hear the gunshot. And so that is a really intense scene where we do get a bit of the unknown element of, you know, we see the son, he pulls the son out of bed, he throws him on the ground and we see him point the gun to him and we just hear a gunshot. And like the way, you know, you know, Mel Gibson drops the phone and Renee Russo kind of drops to the ground and they just are are panicked and heartbroken. And because he thinks he's just killed him and she, you know, goes off on him and hitting him and, you know, that whole scene, I think, was kind of meant to evoke the the scene in the original film of Donna Reed finding out that he did not yeah. going to pay the ransom. Yeah. So when he kind of gets smart with him on the phone and and they now think that he's condemned their son to death, I think that was a really kind of smart choice as well to build up tension. And ultimately we see that they did not, he did not shoot the son. He was just kind of bluffing in his own right. But um Yeah, just that whole kind of quiet moment of hearing that gunshot go off and and them on the other uh, side of the phone not knowing, and us not knowing as an audience either, uh, such an intense scene. So I I like that they found, since they did decide to go with the route of showing the kidnappers and their whole thought process, they did find ways to interject uh, some unknown elements for the audience um, so we could relate to Mel Gibson and Renee Russo and um, some unknown elements that would create tension, like the original film did. Yeah,
0: no, they did. And I think I think Mel Gibson and, and Rene Russo I spoke about before. I think Rene Russo as a character is actually written better than Donna Reed is in the original. Yeah. Um, and Mel Gibson does perfectly, perfectly decent job. Um, I just think he's he's a different style actor to to Glenn Ford. He's a little bit more over dramatic um you know yeah, he's a little bit shoutier and, he's a little yeah. bit
1: because
0: um, i think that the give me back my intense. son
1: the give me back my son was definitely like a big trailer thing a big kind yeah. of yeah movie moment a big thing you know with this movie that was like the standout kind of promotional line of the, this movie him shouting but back. he fits
0: <laughs> he fits for this movie entirely he he does i think he's he's pretty good in the movie the one thing I would say as well is that I, I actually don't think the family dynamic is, you know, that we see is as strong as it is from the original. Yeah. Um. You know, with them as an actual family unit, I think it comes across as a little bit a touch distant. And I think it's yeah. because there's a little bit more upper class fanciness, I think, to Mel Gibson's. Job and Mel Gibson's kind of Social circle to, to Glenn yeah. Ford
1: Yeah, like I think the movie Opens with them having this big fancy party Celebrating yeah. his big commercial Promoting this airline You know, so I,
0: I just think um, I didn't feel the, the, the family the Connection natural, as strong, I certainly you know, felt it I certainly felt it, but it yeah. wasn't as Meaningful to me Yeah, it wasn't as natural to yeah. me as As it felt in the original Either
1: Yes, but definitely not a bad deja vu. Still a very competent, well-made film and uh, great intensity. um, And and some smart decisions in terms of distinguishing itself from the original, but keeping those kind of bare bones uh, of the the original film so yes. yeah a solid remake a solid deja vu for once i <laughs> know
0: uh, right good way to return, <laughs> yeah. to return to deja vu janine yes good way to return to vu. <laughs> no
1: exclamation point though that's it that's no a really that was instant. a shame
0: <laughs> just this one's the original.
1: just ransom
0: <laughs> this one's ransom and Not the original ransom. <laughs> is ransom yes or ransom yes Ransom. <laughs> yes. Anything else, Janine, we would like to say about Ransom?
1: No, oh, I think uh, both solid films and a good deja vu and a good original film. Great performances.
0: Well, there we Go, I think that's going to do it for this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. Then it's been episode 224 of the main show. We've been talking ransom from 1956 and it's 1996 remake. We have Glenn Ford, we have Donna Reed, we have Leslie Nielsen. It's fun. It's not fun, but it is fun. <laughs> <guess>
1: it's fun.
0: <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's fun. The movie is heavy at times. Yes. It is. It's well worth it. It's not like, it's not going to depress you. No. At all.
1: Hopeful ending.
0: Hopeful ending. Positive ending. Heartwarming ending to ransom. As you might expect, like we've already said. But Janine, this show, the main show, is not the only show we have on this podcast feed, is it?
1: It is not. We have our Monday show, Monday Madness with Morgan and Machine. Yes, I have to do my, uh, you know, uh, monster truck voice you that uh you can find that show on our it's a wonderful podcast youtube channel along with other fun things so please like share and subscribe over there on the youtube channel and of course on the podcast feed every monday we have fun over there we talk uh, a random fun topic uh what's going on in the world of movies and in our lives and all kinds of things going on Uh, and then we play some fun games so a very chill laid back show where we just have fun discussions. so please check that out monday madness every monday Monday on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel and on this very podcast feed and of course every Wednesday we have Morgan Hasn't Seen where I force Morgan to watch things he has not seen. It is my birthday month so I'm forcing Morgan to go back to the 90s and early 2000s to talk teen thrillers so we're having a really fun time with that.
0: (laughs) We certainly are this week's uh, teen thriller was 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 very enjoyable Janine it was the crush (laughs) Yes. <laughs> From 1993, I enjoyed this movie significantly, actually. So yes, Morgan hasn't seen teen thrillers all throughout the month of August. Every Friday here celebrating old movies on the main show and, of course, Monday Madness. For all the fun craziness on a Monday on this podcast feed, which you can find on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music, all the other places as well. And as Janine said before, subscribe, ding the notification bells over on the YouTube channel for Monday Madness in its full video glory, as well as all the other fun things we have on the YouTube channel and plenty more to come there as well, of course. You can um, support us on Patreon if you would like patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one a whole bunch of fun tiers we have there if you are feeling particularly generous or, or we do have a donation link in the description as well if you would like to support us that way you can find the show on twitter at it's a wonderful one find me on twitter at the purple dawn with a three instead of the e in there because janine
1: there is a magic number
0: on instagram at just the purple dawn all your intense things are where
1: You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, find that at our Teespring shop. Just search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. Link is also in the description. So check it out. We have some fun designs over there, all the logos for our shows, plus some fun Stranger Things designs. So get your merch there. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my Big Cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com.
0: How good at doing a Leslie Nielsen impression do you think you'll be?
1: Uh not very good. Is that well, what then, you're asking me to do? Yeah.
0: A little bit, but also <clears throat> do whatever the hell you want then. If you're not very good at the Leslie Nielsen impression, I mean, I'm mean? Not really I don't good at... want to embarrass you.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think you do, because you do this to me every time. I and do, yes.
0: <laughs> I can't do
1: any of these accents. So <laughs> I'm just gonna do another bad uh impression. Okay. <clears throat> Three <laughs> two. <laughs> Warm.
0: I think that I was it, good
1: that like, sounded more like <laughs> bye
0: bye